It is most certainly a pleasure to be here today. Uh, my name is Mark Coffey. Uh, actually, I'm pinch hitting for Tim Cole, uh, just in case you're wondering. Uh, he was scheduled to be here and uh, came across something that, the, that pulled him away and uh, that he was not expecting, and so he asked me to go ahead and fill in. So, uh, Steve, if you're watching, I hope uh, this is okay, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, I've got a fast car and I'll get out of here real quick. Uh, but I'm here also on Tim's behalf to represent Waypoint, and uh, it is an honor to do so. I've had the opportunity of being able to do, be on the board of directors and also to serve as president back in the days when it was the VEF. And uh, so many things have happened since then, and just so many positive changes have taken place. And uh, just a couple of things that we want to we share with you right now in terms of the, the footprint of Waypoint used to be just Virginia. But instead, over the past few years, has expanded to over six states and, and regions in the area. And, uh, and we are very, very excited about that. Um, it started out in Virginia, then it's expanded to North Carolina and Maryland, and there's been some work done over in West Virginia. And now it's also in D.C. and also South Carolina. And so many, many things are taking place like that. There's a new, our next new church is opening uh, in March in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And uh, the picture that you see behind me is uh, a picture of Kevin and Mariah McNeil, who are, will, will be leading that congregation. And the next slide that you're going to see is the number of baptisms that have taken place in the new church plants this past year alone. 555 new people born into Christ, and for that we just praise him uh, in, a, in a very significant way. My name, I told you who I am. You've seen it uh, announced and everything. It's just a little background. I've been uh, just retired 17, after 17 years of ministry at Mechanicsville Church of Christ, uh, and it's an honor to be here. And uh, so we want to go to the Lord right now just to ask for his blessing. Uh, I need that. I need to focus on him. Father, we just come to you right now thanking you for the opportunity of being here. And Lord, very simply, I just ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, as they are shared here under the power of your spirit, will be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray for your presence to continue to be in this place. In Christ's name, amen. I'm looking out at the audience and I'm seeing a lot of people that were not born back in 1984. How many do I see that were not born in 1984? Anyone? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I just want to let you know that there was, back in 1984, which I lived through, there was a phenomenon that hit our country. And some of you may remember, it starts out, by saying there's something strange in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? There's something weird and it ain't look, looking good. Who are you going to call? If you're all alone, pick up the phone. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. 
And that comedy was just so, so funny. It made us laugh an awful lot. It was so popular that a sequel came out in 1989, and a video game was developed around it. A remake of the movie came out in 2016. And now, uh, a new movie called Ghostbusters Afterlife is scheduled for release in 2021. But if you've seen the original, you may remember some of those pictures. You know, you remember the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Uh, the slime, all those kinds of things. And yet, in the midst of all the com- comedy, there was a message there. We all need to have someone that we can turn to in life. And when we have a problem, when we have a challenge, when life goes, goes well and we need to share with somebody, or when we're, when we're lonely, when we want to connect with someone who can help, that we can rely on, that we can give who can give us hope. You see, that's life. And when life comes at you, who are you going to call? In Jesus' day, much like today in our culture, people did not know where to turn. Oh yeah, they were followers of God. And they claimed that God was the one that they needed to turn to. But as he was presented back in those days... It made him seem distant. It made him seem unreasonable, unpersonal, unpersonable, and uncaring. And maybe that describes you today. Maybe when it comes to reaching God, you don't know how to do it. Or maybe you wonder if talking to God, which we call prayer, is really all that it's cracked up to be. Maybe you've talked to God and you've prayed, but it seems like nothing happens. And maybe you asked for something that was urgent, that was important, and that was life-threatening to you, and yet, there's nothing. And deep down inside, you may still be ticked at God, or at least disillusioned in Him. And even though you say that you pray, because most Americans claim to pray, Deep down, you wonder if it works at all. See, that was the culture back in the first century. And when Jesus came, people noticed something extremely special about him. And as a matter of fact, they flocked to him. And his joy, his compassion, his genuine love and concern for people, as well as his miracles and teaching, drew people to him. They could not stay away from him. And yet, Mark chapter 1 tells us that Jesus very often, even though the people were coming to him in droves, would still leave early in the morning while it was still dark, and he'd go to a solitary place to pray. You see, to Jesus, the approval of people didn't matter. God's approval mattered. The Father's mattered. And those prayers that he prayed reflected a true connectedness with the Father that few had ever seen before. And it's easy for us to read that passage of Scripture and to say, well, he should. After all, he's God, isn't he? And yet Jesus was fully God, and yet at the same time, he was fully man. 
And one of the things that the humanity of Jesus shows us is that we can connect with God in prayer just as he did. I noticed as I came in on your walls over here to the side, you have a prayer wall where you can write down prayer requests to him. And that's what we want to talk about today. What is it that makes Jesus' prayers so special? Because it was special to the people that observed him. And they sensed it and they wanted to know. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And what Jesus shared has been handed down through the ages, hasn't it? I don't know whether you have a long history in the church or whether you're just uh, occasionally attending, but I think that whether you've been at a funeral or at, at, at another special occasion or something like that or a traditional service or what have you, you've probably heard these words. Maybe you've even memorized them. And I want to encourage you to say them with me because they're going to appear here on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, when Jesus taught this, he didn't teach it as a prayer to be memorized, as much as he taught it as being a model, an idea of of the kind of things that we need to incorporate in our prayer lives. But there's one thing that revolutionized everything that people had thought about as far as prayer was concerned. And it was those first two words, our Father. And I can only imagine that people just, their eyes got real big and they really, really freaked out about that. God, our Father? They were used to saying, Oh God, Almighty Creator, or Lord, Father, Lord, Lord, Holy and Righteous One, or Creator of the Universe, or Great and Mighty Yahweh, which they couldn't even repeat because it was so stinking holy at that time. He's all those things. But He is so much more. He's our Father. And the term that Jesus used back in that day was probably the Aramaic term for father. And many scholars think that that he used the term Abba, which in very simple English vernacular means daddy. It's a title of deep, deep respect. But it's also a title of endearment, of relationship intimacy and love. It's so close and it's so personal. Just like a two or three year old coming up to dad as he comes home from work. Daddy, daddy. And I realize that as I say that, there may be some who react to that negatively because of the experience you had with your fathers. 
Maybe you had an abusive dad or an absent dad or a passive dad or a controlling one or, or maybe even a selfish one. And the result is that you never receive the legacy that is passed on from father to child of acceptance, love, affirmation, and confidence that is so important for us to be able to develop into adults as God intended for us to be. And if that describes you, I want you to know on behalf of all dads here, including myself, that I am truly sorry for any horror you've had to live through. Because just like God, dads who want to help their kids will seek to move heaven and earth if necessary to make that happen. And that's the view that God wants us to have of him. In the very best sense, God is our daddy. I I don't know what's happened here at your church in recent months. Uh, This is my first time here and it's a privilege But I suspect you have similar stories as the ones that I've heard or that I've seen uh, from the church that I just recently retired from. Because most churches have responded admirably during this COVID-19 crisis. I mean, stop and think about it. Churches have pivoted on a dime and moved from in-person services to online to now to both and, and different things like that. And the creativity and the the, the hard work that has gone into it has been incredible. There have been others who have shared groceries with those who are susceptible to the virus or collected as you are collecting uh, groceries for, for, for children. Helping those who have lost jobs. Encouraging people as they deal with stay at home orders or maybe reaching out to those who are in nursing homes and confined and cannot get out under any circumstance. And I think that one key component that has actually developed during this time has been our prayer life. We've been forced to pray a whole lot more. From, Lord, when is this going to end? To, Lord, please be with so-and-so that's really hurting. At the church that I just retired from, one of the things that our elders would do every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock would be to have a a group phone call. And uh, we would pray for the church and any needs that we knew of that, that that were very prevalent at the time. And then on top of that, we took the list of uh, those who were attending and, and were members of the church, and we divided it up into segments. And over the month, we took our segment that we were responsible for, and we would call those people, and we'd ask three questions. How are you doing? Is there anything we can help with? And how can we pray for you? And that last question, which continues to be asked even now, was always the most meaningful. Because it helped to remind people that their father loves them. And he loves them through those who are leading them. Someone has said that you have to talk to God about people before you can talk to people about God. 
And prayer is simply depending on our daddy. It's a reminder for us to trust in him. And it's calling out to him, sometimes in desperation as we face challenges and needs. I heard a preacher by the name of Simon, let me say that fast, Simon Mbebe, who's a pastor in Kenya. And when he was speaking, he noted that in his country, people who live on an average of $2 a day on, for, for the most part, cry out in desperation to God all the time. And yet he went on to say that so many in the American church seem to have lost that sense of desperation and reliance on God as their father because we have so much. And we're comfortable. And we may pray, but we don't do it out of a sense of desperation. So often we end up viewing God as more of an emergency escape button or, 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 or a valve that, you know, all of a sudden, in case of emergency, please go ahead and pull. Not a daddy who's there at all times for all things. Maybe you've heard of Kyle Eidelman, who's a teaching pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. A couple of years ago, he authored a, a book called Gods at War, in which he challenges readers to identify the various idols that crowd God out of their lives. And some of the questions that he asks can reveal, and how we answer them can reveal if God really is our daddy, our father, or if we hold something or someone else as being more important than he is. Let me ask you these questions. What disappoints you the most? What do you complain about the most? Who or what do you sacrifice time and money for? What do you worry about the most? What do you fear losing? Where do you go for comfort or relief when you hurt? What makes you mad? What makes you lose your temper? What do you dream of the most? What are, what are you most passionate about, about? Whose encouragement means the most to you? Folks, I have to tell you very honestly, I'm 66 years old, and I'm not there yet. I got a long way to go. When it comes to knowing God as my daddy, I still have so, so much to learn And this was brought home to me when I was preparing this message. I was studying on this passage and listening to Christian music, and the song that came on was Oceans. Maybe you've sung it here before. And one section says, And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you never failed and you won't stop. start now. And as these words were being sung, I had a flashback of my childhood days. Uh, my folks were missionaries to Italy, and I grew up uh, over on the mission field. And uh, one of the things that we would do is, would be that we would go to the, to the, to the sea, to the uh, Adriatic Sea, and we'd go there swimming. 
And it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be able to do it. Uh, I hate to say it, but it's more, it's more beautiful than Virginia Beach, okay? Uh, but don't, don't kick me out of the state because of that, okay? Uh, and, and, and we would go out there, and when I was a kid, my dad would, would invite me to learn how to swim. And I, I wanted to. I wanted to learn how to swim. And he would take me out into water, and he would take me out into deeper water, and he would say, now, just hold on to me. And then he would put me flat in the water and put his hand underneath my stomach. And he said, Mark, I will not let you go. Trust me. My problem was I was afraid. And every time he would do that, I would just panic. And finally, I'd go back into shore never learning how to swim. Finally, I drummed up some courage in my own, and I thought I'd do it my way, and I went out into 24 inches of water, and I had a snorkel and, and a mask on, and, and I learned how to float a little bit. And then I started paddling a little bit. And when I did that, I called out to Dad and said, Hey, Dad, look at me. And he smiled at me. But I remember a sadness in his smile. Because I never learned what dad wanted so desperately to teach me for my own good. To this day, I really don't know how to swim very well. And dad knew that I was missing out on so much more. And as that memory came to me as I was preparing this message, I have to be honest with you, I burst out into tears. Because I sensed God saying to me, Mark, I've wanted so often to take you out into the deeper waters and teach you so much more of what it means to trust in me. But you've chosen far too often to stay behind and play it safe. Will you fully trust me as your daddy? Because it's in the deepest waters that you find out just how much I care for you and how much I will hold you up. At the same time, folks, I can tell you that in the 66 years that I've lived, I cannot enumerate all the times that my heavenly father, my heavenly daddy has helped me. He's been my guide. He's moved heaven and earth to reach out to me. I wish I had time to recall all the things over four plus decades of ministry where, where I've seen God work and transforming lives and impacting my own, where relationships were miraculously restored, where lives were changed. People turned to Christ, and the answers to prayer were deep, meaningful, dramatic, and faith-building. And yet, in spite of all that, there have been times, quite honestly, when I've been reluctant to go and be with God in the deeper waters. Maybe it was because of fear. Maybe it was because I was just too comfortable. And yet, he still loves me and he calls me out even more.
And he still gives me the opportunity to pour my heart out to him, to listen to him for his guidance and to follow him in those deeper waters. See, folks, prayer that connects begins with relationship. Our father. Our daddy. And I don't know where you are. You may remember that at one time it used to be that way, but something has changed. Or, or maybe you were invited into those deeper waters, but, but, but you chose to stay in the shallow part of the pool. Or maybe you got out of the water and you feel you are so far from him that you can't imagine that he would even want you to get in the water again and be with him. Maybe you never got out into the water in the first place. And you want to learn, but you wonder if he really wants you around. Folks, may I say this? If you don't get anything else out of this message, you matter to God. His love for you is so white hot and passionate that he will move heaven and earth and he will Storm the gates of hell for your sake. And the cross of Jesus Christ is a reminder to the extent of what God will do. He will sacrifice His one and only Son to connect with you and to connect with me. And if you are far from Him, He wants you A college friend of mine by the name of Rod Ellis just died recently. He was serving the Lord as a missionary to Haiti, and he was involved in an accident, that serious vehicle accident, and we don't know all the details because he was single. And as they were caring for his wounds over there in Haiti with improper uh, tools and everything, He not only had broken arms and legs, but then he contracted the coronavirus there. After weeks and weeks and weeks, he did not survive. But the story, it doesn't end there because it's only the beginning. Because there was a time after his college days that Rod turned away from the father. But then through a series of circumstances, he found him again and he reconnected with him or maybe God found him and rekindled that that vibrant relationship with his dear child. And he wrote a poem a few years back. And I'd like to share that with you as we close. Wounded stand I, my back to the throne, child of my God. Yet having disowned portions of truth that were given to me, as son of the king, a captive set free. Wounds yet unhealed are festering still against his great longing and opposed to his will. With fear as their balm, the bleeding sustained my anger, my anger assures their harm yet remains. The blade of the words that have torn at my heart, the sword of the deeds that have cut me apart, have vanished Absorbed by the fog of the past, yet strength of my will has caused them to last. My trust in the wounds 
My doubt in the Lord, shelter and solace can somehow afford. Yet poor is their solace and meager their care, pain but suppress the hurting still bared. Courage I lack to turn to the throne, to seek his true healing, to claim as my own resurrection within, a heart's stone rolled away, second night of the soul, awake to third day. The courage to turn to the throne is not mine. My fear is my king. My hurt rules my mind. Yet through faith, though faith has failed me, doubt taking command, I start at the touch of a once ruined hand. Scars in his palm, once pierced through the bone, still fears of my heart take doubt as their own. Turn is his bidding. Face the Father with me. I manage to turn, fearing what I may see. And the throne is obscured by Abba's rush to embrace. Tears in my eyes, purest glee in his face. The prodigal home and home once again. A child with his daddy. A son with no sin. Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed and holy is your name. Thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are so much more than just the creator. Even though that in itself is unspeakable to us or unimaginable. Even though you are ruler over all, which causes us to bow. Thank you. Thank you for being our dad. And thank you for making it possible through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.